Hey, welcome to Connecting the Human Dots podcast. I'm Theodora Pyle, your host. I am a trauma-informed coach and integrative therapist with a focus on mind-body connection. Connecting the Human Dots podcast is the place where I invite you to explore the art of being human, how to connect the human dots and have an authentic human experience. I will share with you real-life interviews with amazing people in conversations of mind, heart, body connection, neuroscience, emotion, stress, spirituality, and many more topics. And I want to say thank you for being here, and I welcome you. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited about today's guest, and my guest today is Roxanne. And I very much admire Roxanne, not only on a professional level, but also on a personal level. We have amazing conversations about all sorts of things. And Roxanne is an endo health coach, and she is amazing championing women's health and hormones and diet and all of that. But I will let her go into deep diving into the subject and talk about that. So welcome, Roxanne, and it's amazing to have you here. Thank you so much. I am so excited. I know we talk a lot anyway, but I'm so excited to be talking with you in a more official way and letting other people hear the crazy things we end up talking about because it's always so interesting. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for accepting the invitation. And yes, you're right. I would love, yes, I'd love for the other people to hear the kind of conversations we have. (laughs) Brilliant. So what I would like to do is to start off with you sharing about what you do. So on your Instagram bio, it's an endo health coach. Could you please tell us what does an endo health coach do? Yeah. So first of all, just to explain what the endo is about, mm-hmm. that is just um, a shortened term for endometriosis, which is kind of the, the thing that I help women with. Um, So as a health coach, I am trained kind of to approach health with with the aspect of bio-individuality first, which simply means that, you know, we're all very different and we may need a different approach to get to the same destination. So that means, you know, one person's food might be another person's poison. So um, I use that training to help women with endometriosis um, really reduce their pain, anxiety and fatigue um, with a personalized and very holistic nutrition and lifestyle approach. So that is it in a nutshell. Mm, I like it. Yes. And I like how you covered the fact that it's not one solution fits all. It's about having that holistic approach because with so many pieces of the puzzle, like you said about anxiety, tiredness, hormones, diet, health in general. Brilliant. Thank you. And um, what got you on this journey? So I became interested in health and kind of holistic healing um, actually quite some time after I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So um, I was diagnosed at I was about 21 years old and had the surgery. They put me on birth control and I didn't really think anything of it at the time. I was still very young and naive. Um, but then a few years later, I actually had some abnormal cells on my cervix. So after a pap smear, the, the results came back with abnormal cells. Um, and I had to have those lasered off. So that was just what was told to me I had to do. So I went through that procedure, had them lasered off. Um, and afterwards found out that they actually, it, the procedure basically didn't work. The abnormal cells were still there. And so when I said to the doctor, like, oh my gosh, what will we do now? She was like, oh, we'll just do it again. And I was like, mm. oh, wow. And that procedure was so traumatizing because I was awake. 
And so oh my God. I just sat there and I was like, there's no way, there's no way I can go through this again at all. Um, and that was really what got me thinking like there has to be another way because obviously I didn't want to end up with cervical cancer, which is kind of the result if you don't look after that. Um, and that's when I really got lost in researching natural ways of healing um, and managed to actually get rid of those abnormal cells without the laser treatment, which was great. Um, and then started really thinking about health and and I just started looking at health in a very different way and then thought back to oh my gosh I have this endometriosis that I've not even thought about and then I thought well I've been on this medication for so long and really kind of got lost in that world and wanted to come off of my medication um, and through that process realized how much information there is out there and how difficult it is to kind of navigate through that and that's what led me to studying um, integrative nutrition and, you know, helping other women kind of navigate that process a lot easier. So that's wow. the, the short story. <laughs> short story. Thank you very much for sharing. And wow, wow, that, that experience. And I can imagine not only that, you know, you have to, you need to have an operation going through that, but to do it and actually feeling everything, like you said, I'm sure it was yes, quite, quite traumatic. You also covered there the point that you actually healed the, those cells after that naturally. Could you tell us a bit more about that? What did you do different? Yeah, so that was kind of the first time I ever looked at my diet and thought that nutrition could play a role because after reading so much about, um, you know, all these like people writing about who they had abnormal cells, this is what they did because this affects this affects that. And I was like, I had no idea. Like, I didn't even know what a cervix was. I really didn't. And then I started thinking back to my surgery and I was like, I'm pretty sure something happened on my ovary. I didn't even know what like ovaries did. And I realized really how disconnected from my body I was. And so that's when I started changing my diet. So I started eating healthier. Um, I also went on a massive supplement tangent, um, but that didn't last very long because no one can stick to supplement regimes. But do you know, at the end of the day, I was under the age of 25. And a lot of the time, abnormal cells go away on their own when you're that young. And so to this day, I don't actually know what really did the trick. Um, but I do think it was a definite catalyst in sort of the rest of my life, which I am now so grateful for, because I don't think living in that ignorance that I was in before would have been <laughs> um, as fun as my life has been now, for sure. Mm. I also do think it comes in a way with, with life because when we're that young, we just want to live, to experience, to do things. We're not necessarily thinking about what might be the effects of something that we do or we don't do. But going through an experience like that, yes, it just opens the eyes. And I always say, whatever, if we experience symptoms, be those physicals or emotional or any triggers, they're just signals. It just knock, comes and knocks on the doors like, hello, I'm here. You're going to look yeah. at me, perhaps in a different way. And then just it begins to open a, yeah. a world of new possibilities. Yeah, honestly, looking back now, it couldn't have been better timing because as things went on from there, that's when I started looking into endometriosis and the medication I was on. And it was a very good time for me to come off of that medication, um, which I didn't know. So I would have just continued doing that for a long time. And there was a lot of side effects that would have come with that. And so I would have been in a much worse position. So mm. I can completely agree, like, it's a message. Um Yes. And I'm very glad that I listened to it. That's amazing. Talking about what you said about the side effects, did you have any side effects when you went off them? So, yes. Um, the medication I was on is a, basically a synthetic hormones that stops your cycle from happening because the theory is that, you know, if you switch the whole system off, nothing can go wrong. 
um, which to a certain extent, there's something to be said for it. Um, and I, it, it did help me a lot in the beginning, but it was a very new medication that came out. And so I hadn't been told that you're only meant to be on it for three years at a time and then you have to take a break because it actually um, really can affect your bones. So I didn't know that. So I was on it for six years, which <laughs> obviously not ideal. And at that stage, I was basically like my symptoms were that of like early menopause. And I was like 28 years old. And now in hindsight, I actually had two wisdom teeth removed at that time that had just completely decayed for no reason. Like the dentist himself was like, I don't even know how this has happened because, mm. you know, all my other teeth were super healthy and like my oral hygiene was like on point. And now knowing that, I think that it was probably, you know, teeth are kind of um, similar to bones. And so yes. I think that, um, yeah, I probably lost too good teeth over that medication but <laughs> bless you it's okay <laughs> part of the journey well thank you for thank you for sharing and I can imagine not only yes it has been a journey of huge learning yes but also it had a lot of ups and downs and yeah. I want to say it's about how we navigate those waves of life exactly. sometimes can come in huge huge waves Thank you. And in terms of um, what you do and helping other women with their health and endometriosis, which I'm sure it's not the only thing that you that you help them with, what would you say is your favorite part of your day or what you do in your work with women? So much, but I do think that you know the the best part for me is actually seeing women feel hopeful usually for the first time in a long time so endometriosis is it can be really rough and it can take so much from you and the medical world doesn't really make that a lot easier you know by saying you know it's just the way it is it's normal you know leaving really no hope for healing so when I chat with women um, and they kind of see an alternative route that actually takes them into consideration mm. you can see them light up and actually you know feel hope for the first time and I think that for me is the best part of what I do is just instilling hope because you know without that it's very hard to get out of a dark hole of dealing with a chronic illness I think absolutely absolutely and I think hope is at the core of healing and trying something of course Victor Frank with the book Man in Search of Meaning the hope is at the core of the human experience absolutely and could you tell us a bit more for someone that doesn't have endometriosis for a while for many years actually because I had really bad period pain I have wondered whether I had it or not but I never had it diagnosed I'm just wondering could you tell us a bit more about what are the symptoms that a woman would experience with endometriosis and because I know that some of them can be quite debilitating Yes. Yeah, so I'll quickly give a quick description of what endometriosis actually is. Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know, because it's it's really not, um, it's common, but it's not spoken about a lot. <laughs> so yeah. when you have um, a regular woman cycle, what happens is the uterine lining builds up and that sheds. So the uterine lining is building up um, in order to, you know, get ready for fertilization to protect the fetus. And then if there's no fertilization, it sheds. And that's effectively your menstrual cycle. So what happens with women with endometriosis is that a tissue that is very similar to that lining of the uterus is misplaced. So it grows outside of the uterus, whether that's on the ovaries, on the fallopian tubes, in the abdomen, all the way it can come up until the diaphragm. And so because this tissue is very similar to that of the um, lining of the uterus, it also reacts to hormones. So when we have the same hormone fluctuations in our cycle, it kind of grows, inflames, and effectively bleeds. And when it's not in the uterus, it's got nowhere to go. 
that causes loads of inflammation, pain, it can cause infertility, depending on where it is, etc. So that's what it is in a in a quick nutshell. And so the symptoms that are really mostly associated with endometriosis are those that unfortunately women have been conditioned to think are normal. So it's things mm. like painful periods, you know, bowel pain during your periods, um, pain during intercourse, um, chronic fatigue, you know, it comes with so, so, so much because at the end of the day, most kind of health issues stem from chronic inflammation and endometriosis is exactly yes. that it is chronic inflammation. And so it has an effect on your hormones too, because endometrial tissue ends up creating its own hormones. And mm -hmm. so it comes with many of the kind of hormonal imbalance symptoms that we see in a lot of women, which is why the average time to diagnose endometriosis is nine years because oh we're so God. conditioned to think it's normal. Um, and on top of that, in order to be diagnosed, you have to have laparoscopic surgery. So that's a very dramatic approach to, oh, I have painful periods. Mm. So those are some of the common symptoms, but really um, it is so it presents itself so differently in, in every different woman that, you know, for some women they have seen, um, you know, they have stage four endometriosis, which is the worst, meaning those lesions are growing all over the abdomen, sticking their organs together and they have no pain. And then there's some women who have tiny little bits of it and they're in excruciating pain. So we're still trying to figure that part out, but it is a very mysterious um, you know, situation for sure. And this is why mm. I am so, so, so um, adamant about talking about, you know, the kind of emotional connection, which is why I love talking to you, because <laughs> there is yeah. just no coincidence at all that, you know, it is so different in every different woman, because we've all experienced so many different emotions and different traumas and different things. Absolutely. Um, but those are some of the symptoms. Thank you for sharing. And how do you say mindset plays in all of this? Oh my God, it's the most important thing. It's the first step in any of my programs. Like we don't talk about nutrition or anything until we work on what's going on in the mind. Mm. Because, you know, first of all, you need to have, like we said, hope to heal. If you don't yeah. believe that you can feel better, you're not going to. And so what I see a lot with women with endometriosis, which is so it's so unfortunate that they've been so invalidated by doctors. They've had doctors tell them they're crazy. It's all in their head. Um, you know, they're overreacting. It's just a painful period. It's normal. So they're so desperate for that validation that they end up actually getting stuck in such a dark hole of looking for validation and just wanting someone to admit that they are really suffering that they don't want to feel better. They condition their brain so much that I don't want to feel better. I want to prove that I'm so sick. That could, because you can't see it either, right? Yes, but you can. Well, you can feel it. You can feel exactly. yes, the physical symptoms. But yes, oh my but god! To the yes, outside I'm world, sure. it's an invisible illness, and so there's so much work to be done there around not even just you know getting into a mindset that is able to heal, but also dealing with loads of medical trauma. Mm. Um, so it it is absolutely like step number one. Like before, kind of dealing with that, it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter you know how you move your body, exercise, all of those things, the, the body follows the mind. And so that's always the most important absolutely. thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's actually, I was reading in a book just yesterday in, um, I forgot what was written by Lisa, seven and a half lessons about the brain. And in one of the chapters, very easy book, very good, recommended. But in one of the chapters, it actually talks about, for example, stress, how it actually impacts our food. So if we're stressed, we actually end up putting on weight and it adds up to 104 calories 
for each bite that we oh my put God, in if, if we're under stress. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Wow. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. I know. And that's crazy because ultimately stress is a hormone. Like cortisol yes. is a hormone. a hormone. And so, you know, when we throw our hormones out, you know, the thyroid, which controls your metabolism and how you process mm-hmm. energy is, the, you know, going to be thrown out too. Everything is connected. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Everything is connected. And do you know, for example, is a percentage of how many women roughly suffer with endometriosis? So the stat at the moment is one in 10, but I think that it's probably more than that because of how many go undetected. Um, But Mm. one in 10 is is bad enough, you know. It's huge. And if you think about probably that's based on women that have been diagnosed, but then if it takes nine years to get diagnosed, how many women suffer? And of course, for example, PMS symptoms and all of that period pains that all can come into that. And how many women experience that? That's just... Yeah, and besides endometriosis, like so many women are suffering with very similar symptoms, even if they don't have endometriosis. I have a lot of Mm -hmm. clients who actually have not ever been diagnosed. um, And this presents an issue in so many different ways, because I have clients who have come to me and they're so desperate to get a diagnosis. They're willing to just go have a surgery done just to look inside and see that it's there and say it is endometriosis. Because of course, like that kind of can calm you down a bit, just knowing where that pain has been coming from. Um, but unfortunately, there's there's not enough good surgeons out there. There's only about 200 endometriosis specialist surgeons in the world, which is not a lot. And wow. <laughs> most women can't actually have access to that. Um, even if they have one near them, obviously specialists are extremely expensive. Yes. And so women are literally willing to put themselves through surgery, a purely diagnostic surgery, because the doctors who aren't specialized can't treat it. You know, so... That is another reason why the diagnosis process is so difficult, but it's not even just the endometriosis. You know, so many women are suffering with this pain, um, you know, for, during their periods with fatigue, with extreme PMS, with majorly imbalanced hormones. Mm. And so much of this is just doctor solutions usually are, you know, take birth control. And it's just really not good enough. Like there's just mm. not enough research that's been done. There's not enough attention that's been given, you know, kind of gender bias in medicine is a whole nother topic for another day but that is a huge issue (laughs) I agree I agree so for example if someone experiences those symptoms only endometriosis but any of those period pains PMS or fatigue around it what can someone do about it what would you advise to do where should they start what's the first thing they should do yeah, what so I think change? obviously having a diagnosis is great. And with endometriosis, they, they kind of, the, the other issue is that they won't just operate on you um, just because, um, you know, they very much base it on, are you in extreme pain and or are you suffering with infertility? Those are the two things. So those are the, the two things that will give them reason enough to operate, which again is ridiculous because, you know, it's your body, you deserve to know what's going on. But again, story for another day. But I think if you are experiencing extremely painful periods and any of those symptoms associated with um, endometriosis, I think the first thing to do is to actually understand what's going on. So that starts with like reconnecting to your cycle, understanding how that works, understanding how your hormones are meant to work. Because a lot of the time, even women with endometriosis do not need birth control or surgery or anything like that to help them. They can start with literally just balancing their hormones. 
you know, that plays a very big role in how you experience your symptoms. And for a lot of women who don't have endometriosis, these symptoms are being caused by hormonal imbalance. So that's really, for me, the first step would be like, if you don't want to get a doctor involved, etc., try and work on reconnecting with your cycle, understanding how it works, balancing your hormones, getting that under control, you know, doing some things to help yourself out um, mm-hmm. after you've worked on your mindset. Um, and, you know, if you're still suffering after that, after you fully understand your cycle and you know what balanced hormones means and you're doing a lot to help that and you're tracking and you're doing all those wonderful things, if you're still suffering, then your best bet is to try and find at least a doctor who has some experience with endometriosis. Um, but if not, uh, an endometriosis excision surgeon, which is like your best case scenario. And there's a lot of websites and things where you can find that. Um, one of them is called I Care Better, which is a great website that lists all the international um surgeons around the world that's how I found uh, my doctor here so that's that's kind of a first step brilliant thank you and how do you reconnect with your cycle reconnecting with your cycle for me means you know most women don't understand how it works at all they don't Mm -hmm. know you know what why do I have a period like most women don't understand that like genuinely so why why do we have a period (laughs) (laughs) I actually never well, yeah, no, we have it. I never quite thought, you know, why. So why do we have it? Well, I think, yeah, so reconnecting with your cycle is understanding the physiology of it and understanding why women's bodies do what they do. And so that starts with understanding the cycle and knowing how it works. So what we need to know is why do we have a period? So we have a period because we are fertile and because as women on a physiological level, our main goal and accomplishment in life is to reproduce and so that doesn't mean you know obviously we've got a lot of other things going on and there's a lot of women who don't want to do that but Mm -hmm. on a physiological level that is what our body is wanting to do so in keeping that in mind reconnecting Mm -hmm. to your body is understanding that your body is as a woman not on birth control is going to try to do this every single month so ovulation is actually the most important part of your cycle a lot of women focus Mm -hmm. on the period and the bleed and you know what is my bleed like what is happening here but actually you can still bleed without ovulating but if you're not ovulating your hormones are going to be all over the show so Mm. i'll go through the menstrual cycle just very quickly like the the Mm -hmm. short version so we have Yeah, so we have our follicular phase, which is your menstrual bleed is actually part of the follicular phase. But I'll start kind of after that so that it ends in a cycle because your bleed is actually the end of your cycle. Mm -hmm. So your follicular phase is where your body is getting ready for ovulation. So this is where you have lots of energy. This is where you feel like you can conquer the world. You can do everything. And estrogen is slowly rising in order to get that egg to ovulation. And so then we move into ovulation. So around about day 14 of your cycle is where we ovulate, hopefully. And that's an estimate. It's quite different for different women. Um, Mm -hmm. And once we've ovulated, the body will now start producing progesterone. And in that second half of your cycle is where your body is working to balance your hormones. So it's trying to get the right amounts of estrogen, the right amounts of progesterone, to start growing that uterine lining because that lining is what is going to cushion this fertilized egg once it gets fertilized. So if that egg is fertilized, amazing, it gets implanted, the uterus is grown, it's ready to cushion it, progesterone is there to keep it going, the progestation hormone. If it is not fertilized, then your body's going, okay, we don't need this lining anymore. There's no baby coming. We don't need to cushion it. So it sheds the lining. And that 
is your period. But a lot of people don't actually know that. Yeah. Um, and you can see how ovulation is a lot more important than the actual the bleed and why we need those balanced hormones. Because what happens is if, especially in that luteal phase, so your second half of your cycle, which is the two weeks leading up to your period, mm -hmm. if you haven't ovulated, your body's not going to be producing progesterone. And so your estrogen is going to be through the roof because it's not being balanced out by progesterone. And with that estrogen dominance is where we see things like PMS, brain fog, anxiety, acne, sore boobs, sore periods, because when we have too much estrogen, our period actually will be a lot heavier, which means it's a lot harder to shed, which means it's going to be a lot more cramping. And this is mm. where kind of things start oh, wow. to go very wrong so we need to focus on the ovulation but that kind of is why we have a period <laughs> oh thank you I like that I shall remind you because I remember when I first came across that in a way helping me reconnect with my with my cycle I read a book I think Yamezi Hill I'm looking at it because she is here <laughs> you have so she's, many books. she's here <laughs> called period power and what oh, I love yes. about I really like that. And that's when a way it made me really aware in terms of what changes I used to notice on a weekly basis, basically. Yeah. And help me reconnect. But I also like the metaphors about the seasons. Yes. And I really, really like that because what is it? The winter is the period. So your winter is your period. As you move yep. into your follicular phase, it's spring where you have lots of energy, you're feeling mm -hmm. good. Then ovulation is summer. So that's where you're feeling like beautiful, you know, you're ready for love. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And then we obviously move into fall or autumn, which is your luteal phase just before your period where things start to wind down. You start to have a little bit less energy um, and then your menstrual bleed is your winter where obviously you're a lot more introverted etc and you can actually look at the energy shifts through that as well which is another part for me of reconnecting to your cycle and reconnecting to your body because you know we don't take this into consideration at all and actually we have based on our hormones huge energy shifts that happen throughout the month mm -hmm. um, and we'll kind of blame ourselves and think it's like a lack of motivation or you know we're lazy yep. or you know whatever but actually if you reconnect to your body and you reconnect to intuition you will know that you know the week before your period probably not a good time to be scheduling loads of social events and big tasks and things like that I can 100% resonate with that and I remember before I read that book because I was even aware of this I used to beat myself up for thinking oh I'm going to a party I'm going out and all of a sudden it's like I had no energy for it yeah and I really wanted just to stay at home and read and, and I was beating myself up I was like come on you have to do it yeah. in that sense of pushing through I was like hold on a minute because it's not about that it's about actually understanding my energy levels where my battery is and where yes. I am in the month and once I began to do that there's a lot of things that I've changed and shifted bringing more compassion exactly. into myself and being more intuitive with who I am what I need and the same also in terms of food and the rest and what I need and also of course yes any kind of activities so be that work or personal activities yeah, it was a game changer yeah I think women don't realize like how much intuition they actually have like it's actually a so superpower true. but it can mm -hmm. only work when you are connected to your own body and you understand what's going on and you kind of flow through that for a while like now you know and I'm sure it's the same for you you're you know we're just 
so much more intuitive. I don't even have to look at, I don't even track my cycle on an app anymore because I just know, like I'm there in my mind. Likewise. I wake up yep. and I'm like, yep, I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> yes. So yes. that is what I mean kind of by reconnecting. Um, that's mm. that's the, the basis, like the, the, the first step to reconnecting to your body. And I think when we're not connected like this and we lose our intuition, this is when we start thinking there's something wrong with us. And when we start yeah. not understanding ourselves and we start looking outwards for answers, that's when we're like on Google going like how to English increase energy and things mm-hmm. like that and it sends you in a bit of a spiral and, and conditions you to think that the answer is outside of you very much so and I think also what it happens in that case we give our power away exactly and we rely on the external factors rather than empowering ourselves that we have those resources within us exactly we can we can reconnect yeah that causes that looking outward causes a lot of anxiety because there's a lot of people out there saying a lot of different things <laughs> and if you're looking for an answer you're going to struggle to find you know everyone mm. saying the right thing it's just not the case yes. because we are individuals but when you actually connect to yourself and you know what your body needs like that is powerful yes and actually you touched a very important point about yes tracking your cycle on an app and actually tracking it yourself yeah because I remember many years ago when I used to do that and I had actually yep reconnecting with all of that and actually having anxiety when my period's coming or if I'm going to have pains But actually, I will get a notification two, three days before my period. Oh, your period is about to begin. And I remember the anxiety. Oh, my God, what am I going to be in three days? What am I going to do? Yeah. And once I stopped doing that and actually thinking about and noticing how my body is, I was a complete game changer. Yeah. My my period will come. It's like, okay, it is what it is. So not having that anxiety before even being here. Exactly. And it's it creates patterns in your brain. It like does. you know, you're you're the the brain neuroplasticity queen <laughs> but you yes. know, like that really like a big part of uh, working with clients yeah. for me is often even when your mindset is there and you want to start feeling better and you're doing the right things you're nourishing your body you're reconnecting to it you're leaning into your intuition you're doing movement you're managing your stress you're doing all these amazing things that fit so nicely into your lifestyle and you're so happy like for a lot of women that pain doesn't go away and only once we actually look at the kind of chronic pain cycle of what is triggering it it's usually Mm -hmm based on you know a history of being in pain at the same time every single month correct and your thought patterns yes the neuroplasticity you know we know from pain science now that a lot of pain we experience does not correlate with actual tissue damage no it's 50 percent of it i think they say it's it comes from the brain exactly the brain modulates or learns itself because it wants to make itself its job easier and so this is why I don't love using these apps because a lot of the time you'll see a trigger come on going, you know, your period's coming and then your brain goes, oh, we know what happens here, pain. And like yep. women will start instantly. experiencing pain instantly. And it's, you know, once they mm-hmm. start looking at that and, you know, you start talking to your brain a bit differently during that, you know, trigger or, you know, during your period, etc. you start changing the way you speak about pain, you change the way you think about it. It can really make a huge difference. And I've noticed that for myself as well. Like when I am, you know, going through a, a stressful period of my life or whatever, my kind of, you know, thing is always when things around me are stressful, I want to control everything. So then I start to look at like, you know, when is my period coming? What do I need to do this, this and that? And the minute I know it's coming, I'll start feeling cramps. And I'm like, Oh, my God, it's not it's a week away. Like, why? (laughs) And 
yes. this is, you know, this is the brain. It it wants to make life easier for you, even sometimes when that means not good things. Absolutely. And I love the idea. And I always teach that, that neuroplasticity is always on. The brain's yes. ad- ability to adapt and change is always there. Whether you think of it consciously or not is there. It even does its job once when you sleep. Mm. But yes, and once we bring in different habits, or first of all, we look at how we do things right now, because in order to change something, you need to know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and then once we bring in those changes, it all of a sudden, yes, it improve discipline, because we also need that. And to understand why we need to do something, we do bring change into our minds and into our bodies. And um, of course, the mind-body connection and a key part to that plays hormones. And yes. you, I would love for you to touch on that point about balancing our hormones and how those influence our health and what we can do, especially as women, to have balanced hormones because we know women's hormones or how we function, it's different than men. Very different. So men actually have a 24-hour hormone cycle. So there it goes. One day, moving on. <laughs> Unfortunately, ours is a little bit longer, but... Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. hormones impact absolutely everything. And there's so many different hormones in the body. We know of things like estrogen and progesterone, but there's so much else at play. You know, there's vitamin D is a hormone, there's melatonin, there's cortisol, so many things. Um, But at the center of it, hormones really is kind of the control center for your energy and so much more. So I think we think of hormones as something just got to do with our periods or our cycles, but actually it's got to do with absolutely every function in your body. Like hormones are, you know, at the center of it. So then if we look at what are balanced hormones, so I explained a little bit earlier how the cycle works um, and what balanced hormones mm-hmm. actually means. Um, and so that's where it becomes important for how we kind of experience our cycle as a woman. So I think, you know, it's important to understand that hormones are much more than just, you know, used for your cycle. Um, and it's also important to understand how your cycle works to see which hormones are at play there and what in terms of hormones might be causing your symptoms. So if, if you look at that second half of your cycle and, and how things can go horribly wrong in terms of being imbalanced, what type of symptoms that will have. Um, so I think those are really like, it's just important to know those two things first before we even start to try and balance our hormones, because otherwise you'll end up you know, taking a supplement to balance your hormones. And it's so much deeper than that. Like everything is so interconnected um, that, Mm. you know, one hormone lady's supplement is really not going to fix, you know, a very intricate system. So I think that's important to know. Absolutely. Yes. And I think, yeah, like you said about hormones being at the core of our lives and it can influence so, so much. And I'm sure we can talk a long time (laughs) about uh, the different kinds. And we know, of course... We talked about the hormones of stress, how that impacts us. What would you say in with endometriosis, but not only with that, in your work, it's the key hormone to look after or to nourish? Oh my gosh, progesterone. Progesterone <laughs> for sure. It's the one that, the, the, the thing we see the most in, in today's day and age is excess estrogen. We see women, not, not all women, but a lot of women, especially with those symptoms like PMS, acne, um, you know, painful periods, heavy periods, irregular periods, that is all usually down to estrogen. And the problem with estrogen is not that it's a bad thing on its own, similar to cortisol. You know, cortisol is a stress hormone, but it's also very necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And so I think what is important to remember is it needs to be balanced out by progesterone. And if we don't have progesterone, estrogen is going to take over because we do live in a very estrogenic world as well. And in order to have progesterone, we need to be ovulating. For me, everything comes back to ovulating. You want to balance your hormones, ovulate, like make sure you're ovulating. That is the first step. Um, which is why, you know, if what I would say in the steps to balance your hormones, like number one would be really learn about your menstrual cycle, how it works and how your hormones are meant to fluctuate. Number two, start tracking your cycle by taking your temperature every day. That's such an important way to reconnect as well to see how your hormones are fluctuating because you'll be able to tell from that. And what that will also help you is understand whether you're ovulating or not, which is the most important thing. So by tracking your temperature, you'll actually see kind of halfway through your cycle a temperature spike, which will indicate along with a few other symptoms that you are ovulating. And that is the most important thing is make sure you're ovulating because for most women, they realize that a lot Mm. of their PMS symptoms are down to anovulation cycles and if you have anovulatory cycles you can end up having irregular cycles as well so anovulatory cycles or irregular ovulation is a very big player in most women's um, symptoms that they're having in terms of hormones um, and so once you've learned about your cycle number one two start tracking it three you can start to and mind the pun connect the dots of you know what is happening mm-hmm. in your cycle to be able to see where you need support so this is why we can't just take one person person's blanket statement of how to balance your hormones into consideration because Mm -hmm. we all have different things going on for some of us it might be that we're not ovulating for some of us it might be that we are but our estrogen is really high because of stress or because of food or because of um you know maybe the products we're using there's so many factors at play but so you know then once you've connected the dots you can see oh okay these symptoms are happening in my luteal phase and i'm not having a temperature spike i'm probably not ovulating and then you know you know, the fourth step, um, how to take a personalized and targeted approach to your needs. So now we need to, now, you know, maybe you need to focus Mm. on ovulation. So what can I do to ensure that probably reduce stress, probably sleep better, you know, so it it is a personalized thing. Um, You know, that's why I really hate these supplements that are like, balance your hormones. (laughs) Because it's not, there's so many details to it. And it's, it's, very personal yes and that's where in a way that professional helps like you said about you offering that personalized approach because every woman is different and every woman will need something different yeah yeah and just oh, the super, education too. I, there was lots of stuff <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, i didn't know about my... the thing. it's it's the education but too like it took me years to learn this you know even studying nutrition like not all of this was taught to us like a lot of you know a lot of people ask me like where did you study i'm like everywhere literally everywhere like it's it's really that education piece and it's overwhelming for women especially when they're going through that already like they're going through the pain they're confused they don't know what's going on they're moody their moods all over the show they're exhausted to now I have to like sit and decipher through this information online and figure out all these things you know Mm. it's um that's why I think there there really is such a big place for um you know health coaches nutritionists just healers in general in in the women's health space because they need it (laughs) and they don't have the time to research all these types of things on their own yes come up with an approach and then hold themselves accountable like it's a lot of work yes and also I think they're starting to do a bit more research into women's hormones and looking how we can affect us although not enough and I'm just looking 
Tamara, because I read um, a few weeks ago a very, very good book, Dr. Sarah McKay. She is a neuroscientist based in Australia called Demystifying the Human Brain. And a lot of it is about the neurobiology and talking a lot about the hormones and how that impacts us since young girls up until we pass away, basically. And that actually, even in uh, studies they do in terms of neurobiology, a lot of them are then on males, not females, because the female hormones they're so different and then the yeah. fact that they can't measure or they can't get the results and the way she is championing like guys honestly we need to do more research into women's hormones this is not just on you know brain things medications every medication out there on the market has not been tested on women because we make a terrible control in a study Tom. because we have hormones <laughs> and so how crazy is that you know, it is bizarre. Like there's so much more to be done um, in terms of women's health and how the medical world looks at, you know, solutions for women, but also just in general, like, you know, being included <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> I think they actually, there's a funny story. For Sorry. women? No, there's actually, um, just in terms of birth control, they actually at the same time, like I think birth control came out like in the 50s, and they had been running trials on men as well. Um, but the reason why the men's one didn't get approved was because it had about 20% of the side effects of the one that actually today we're still using in 2021. And the men were like, oh, no, that's too many side effects. <laughs> um, yet the woman's one got approved was like way more than that. So it's um, really crazy. Like there's a lot of work to be done there. Wow. Yes. And actually what I wanted to say in terms of research and stuff for women made by women. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think there's I'm literally, stop. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the, even the endometriosis specialists, I have so many clients like asking me or just people in general saying, do you know of any endometriosis specialists that are women? Because women feel so much more comfortable going to a gynecologist that's a woman. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's very limited. Like, I've only seen, like, one woman gynecologist in my life. Um, and especially in the endometriosis scene, like, it's men. And it's frustrating because, you know, it's what do they say on friends? No uterus, no opinion. <laughs> It's a little bit dramatic, but um, yeah, it's, it would be nice to see some change there. For women, by women, that would be great. Yes, I agree. For women, by women. I like that. I'm going to write that down. For women, by women. <laughs> Thank you. Talking about that and the experience you had and everything, what advice would you give to the younger you, to the younger self? Oh my gosh, what advice would I give to my younger self? I think I would just say, like, trust yourself. Like, trust yourself, trust your intuition, especially when it comes to health, because I think there was so many moments for me where I thought this doesn't seem right but I never questioned it you know I always just you trust you trust doctors and, and that's not to say all doctors are bad like you know if it weren't for doctors I literally might not be alive right now like my first surgery I had a cyst the size of my uterus that ruptured and I was bleeding internally and if it wasn't for the amazing surgeons like you know I'd be in a bad way at the moment so there's definitely a time and place for that but I think that you know as things are progressing, we're seeing a need for more holistic approaches. And I think we are very conditioned to um, switch our intuition off when it comes to our health. And I think for me, the advice I'd give my younger self is just trust yourself. Like if you have a feeling about something, it's there for a reason. Just get curious about that because 
I think so many women don't trust themselves and they just go through with so many things that they knew from the beginning wasn't what they wanted. Like, especially with endometriosis, there's so many terrible surgeries out there that most women say, I didn't feel right about it, but I did it anyway because mm. I thought I had to. And yeah, trust yourself for sure. Trust yourself. Thank you. I think that's such, such an important one. And like you said about whatever is there to look with curiosity. And you know, I'm all about I curiosity. Know. You taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I think when we when we come from a place of curiosity, we stop judging and we see it for what it is, but it opens up opportunities because we also look for solutions. Mm. We look for what's it there and understand the, the deeper meaning and we build yes. more of a capacity to see ourselves for, for who we are. Thank more you. More open, way more and open with curiosity. Way more open. Yes, way more open. And um, if you think about us going through life and having a human experience, what does it mean for you to have a human experience? For me, I think having a human experience, the, the biggest thing that comes up for me is forgiveness. Because, you know, the human experience is ultimately to fuck up and make mistakes. <laughs> And yep. if you can't forgive yourself, you are going to suffer so much more. That is really, mm. you know, something that I've learned. Forgiveness is a word I want to stick all over my house because we love to beat ourselves up. And the human experience, you know, we don't have a path, a blueprint to how to be human that doesn't exist. I mean, we're all trying very hard, but ultimately you're going to fuck up. And if you can't forgive yourself, you know, that's going to take away a lot of the joy of your life. And I think, yeah, I think that's really important. Thank you for sharing. That's so, so beautiful. And I think that, yes, that is at the core of our humanity, to have that capacity to forgive ourselves. Because once we do that, we build more capacity to be compassionate and kindness and forgive others. Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Thank you. And what does it mean for you to connect the human dots? Because the podcast is about connecting the human <laughs> dots. What for you means to connect the human dots? First of all, I just love that so much. It just resonates with me so much. I love the idea of connecting the human dots. Um, and I think... To me, if I think about connecting the human dots, I think it's really about learning, about exploring and about connecting to ourselves and with that then connecting to others. Because I think that's how I've built so many connections is the more I've connected to myself, the more I've been able to connect to others who are like the perfect people in the world to help me connect the human dots. And I think, you know, once you do that, mm. learning, exploring, connecting to yourself, connecting to others, you know, you find a lot more joy along the way. So I think that that to me would be connecting the human yeah. dots, just learning, exploring, connecting to yourself and others. Super. And of course, then the more we do that, the more joy we can find because joy is there and it's about us seeing it for what it is. We often don't see it on our own. <laughs> So we need the other human dots. <laughs> we need the other human dots to help us see, yes, to help us see and shine the light onto ourselves. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you. I could not have said it better myself. Yeah. It's just great. Some would say and... you've spoken a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of deep conversations. <laughs> yes. I mean, I know we could carry on for many, many hours. Yes. <laughs> but as um, a few final points. What would you say in your healing journey and your journey of where you are now at this point, what do you think were those habits 
or actions or things that you did or perhaps didn't even do that you said no to because that's also an important thing sometimes it's important it's okay to say no and quite important to say no that have led you to where you are right now there's so many but I think really like connecting to my body was the most important thing because I think we live so disconnected in so many ways it's not even just about understanding your cycle but we're so disconnected to ourselves and our intuition that would have been the best thing that I could have done is to actually take a step back and start to kind of understand my body and you know with that I could have, I could make a lot more decisions if you're not reconnected to your body it's very hard to make better decisions for your habits like eating better or you know changing some habits maybe not doing some things that you know are harming you if you're not connected you you don't even see that you just live on autopilot the other thing would definitely be forgiving myself because I have accepted that I'm going to make mistakes forever (laughs) and it took me a long time to get there only thing was very recently where I realized you know the human experience does not come without suffering and that's okay And so forgiving myself along the way and knowing, you know, the expectation is not perfect. The expectation is to, you know, explore, learn, connect and, you know, try and find more joy along the way. Um, So really, like when when I do something that I think, oh, that was stupid, just going like, it's okay, I'm going to move on. Because what I used to do was beat myself up for a very long Mm. time, you know, maybe stupid things. Like I'd go out with my friends and have like three glasses of wine instead of two. And the whole next day I'm feeling so guilty about it. I'm the worst person in the world. And it's just, what is the point in that? (laughs) And And it sucks the joy out of life. Exactly. Instead of saying, oops, you know, probably could have done with one less, but um, I'll know know better next time. Yes. (laughs) You know, and also going, I I had fun or whatever even if you know I didn't do something I said I was gonna do maybe I didn't go to the gym or things like that like just forgiving yourself and moving on because otherwise you're living in the past forever and there's just no point you know there really is no point and you know when you can forgive yourself you tend to be a lot better at forgiving others which is also a nice little side effect of that (laughs) yep it goes into a nice loop exactly positivity and then one more habit was something that I actually learned from you which is staying curious always staying curious I think really it has changed my life I know I've told you that a million times but being curious because it takes like exactly what you said these all kind of work together you know You can't forgive yourself if you're judging yourself constantly. And when you're curious, you're not looking at yourself with judgment. You know, you're looking at yourself with curiosity and that takes away a lot of judgment. It, you know, comes at things with an open mind and is open to forgiveness. Um, so yes. I think, yeah, definitely connecting to my body, forgiving myself and staying curious. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for being open and curious <laughs> to explore this. And what I also want to say about the forgiveness and the curiosity, but especially the forgiveness, like you said about now looking back, is like, if I do something, okay, I've done it. Because what it does, that forgiveness, it actually comes in a package with self-compassion and mm. kindness. Because on the other side of beating ourselves up and being harsh on ourselves is actually being compassionate and kindness. And compassion is about seeing ourselves for who we are and also finding a solution. It's like, okay, I've done this. I cannot turn back time. I see it. I can perhaps do it differently next time. And also the compassion and the kindness and the forgiveness also also has an impact on the hormones because those thoughts create chemicals. And actually we're not triggering the cortisol that completely flares up our body. 
It's like, I see it and we're back into the homeostasis. We keep ourselves more into the homeostasis in the calm and the balance state, which ultimately affects our yes, hormones and our health. Yeah, that compassion, like it, it, it overflows into other things as well. Like so, so much of the time, if you're dealing with any chronic illness, you kind of train yourself to hate your body. You yeah. really, really do. And you hate your body. And you every time you look at it, you're just like, why are you against me? You know, I have done this in the past. Like, really, I've come out of consultations where I've been told I have a cyst or I have these abnormal cells. And I'm like, why is my body so terrible? Why does it hate me so much? And, you know, when you actually learn to forgive yourself for things and that comes with that compassion and kindness you actually start to be a lot nicer to yourself like I often say to my clients like treat yourself like you are a newborn baby you know oh I love that if you're crying ask yourself what do you need you can't communicate what does the baby need does it need food does it need rest does it need love what does it need Mm -hmm. or let yourself sleep don't be like harsh on yourself if you you know sleep a little bit more or if you need a little bit more food or you know really uh, looking at yourself as a newborn baby you treat yourself very differently to how we kind of condition ourselves to do that (laughs) so true and I like that because I always say to people in a way about compassion is how would you speak to your best friend but I think I like it more with seeing yourself as a baby especially the crying what does the baby need because yeah. I think we can be even our friends we can snap or whatever but with the baby because they're so cute yeah. <laughs> they say, you want you want to nourish them so much yes. so why wouldn't we want that nourishment for ourselves exactly. and you're always thinking like how can I make its experience better like can I give it more food yeah. can I give it more rest you know can I make it smile laugh you know like what can you do to enhance its experience but we don't think Mm. about that like that about ourselves so it's a nice way to flip the narrative a little bit oh thank you I'm definitely (laughs) going to take that away um, as well with so many insights you have given us and I value so much all of your sharing your input and all of your experience because it's a huge wealth of experience that you you have and knowledge and so passionate about this and it's a subject that I know it started off as your own journey but now you share it with women with women that so need this and just as a final note what would be three advices you would like to share about women's hormones probably going to sound like a stuck record honestly but (laughs) the first no no advices three pieces of advice number one would be reconnect your body by just learning about your cycle and the menstrual cycle and understanding it properly I promise you it'll change your life I don't talk about it all the time for nothing um uh the second one would be you know learn to take back and own your amazing feminine intuition because we really have superpowers um and your life again will change once you reconnect to this intuition it is a much more freeing way to live and the third one which is a a bit of a random one but it's something that i wish more women would take on is to really prioritize food in your budget (laughs) and eat lots of it I never thought about that. Because oh a my lot God, of this women, is going to get done. A lot of done. women say to me, like, I can't afford healthy food. And, blah, blah, and then I see, like, they're buying a new iPhone. And I'm like, it's not. It's a priorities thing. And when yeah. food is your number one priority, and if you think of yourself as a newborn baby, what would you prioritize for that baby? Food. <laughs> not toys. Food. No food. <laughs> and good food, you know. That's why mm-hmm. I, always, I always go back to the baby example. Because when you look at baby products and things like that, it's all like paraben-free, this mm-hmm. calming, gentle, soothing, amazing, no bad things in it. But then why does that change when we become an adult? So 
it's the same in terms of your priorities. So yeah, number one would be learn how your cycle works, reconnect to your body. Number two, learn to take back your amazing feminine intuition. And number three, just prioritize food on your budget. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I never thought about that. But now thinking about it is actually I never thought about it because for many, many years that hole has always been at the top of my list. Yeah. And that's because my mum over 10 years ago she had some problems with her pancreas and then actually she healed it naturally through diet through even uh, yes fasting and all of that Amazing. nutritional way and she no it's more than no 15 years ago and she became obsessed with food love it <laughs> but, in, but in a good friends. way Yes, but in a good way. Yeah. And she in a nourishing way. When you look at food as like how much yeah. it can do for you instead of like, you know, being obsessed with it in terms of limiting or restricting it. It's such a freeing way to live. So I like yes. your mom already. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. And I've learned from her. So yeah. because of she did a lot of research and all that, she always shared it and then because we always live together, um, and she will always cook it. So then I took that natural without even thinking. So that. yes, the food always comes at the top of my list. So thank you. Good. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it like that. Yes. But I do agree that it's all about priorities and yeah. what we choose to prioritize. And if it's something that doesn't necessarily bring us joy or bring us health, is how can we shift that order of priorities to bring it into a higher yeah exactly because of course yes if we look at it like a baby we want the best yeah the organic the you know best quality amazing lots of it yes unprocessed natural yeah exactly absolutely brilliant well thank you thank you very much and um if uh, people would like to connect with you and to find more about what you do where can they find you um, probably over on Instagram is the best bet kind of all roads lead to Instagram so <laughs> um, on Instagram uh, my name is a little bit hard to spell but I'm Roxanne Fonsale Wellness but um, I'm sure you can leave it in the show notes or something <laughs> yes we will um, do certainly and um, also what do you have next in store and how do you prefer to to work with people is it one-to-one more or groups so at the moment, I am working one to one with women. I like this is my favorite way to work with women just because of the personalization of everything. You can really dive deep into so many different things. And I'm learning so much about the mind body connection from amazing people like you. And that's something I'm really enjoying using with my clients, too, um, because there is a major link between endometriosis and childhood trauma, which is a very interesting thing I'm learning now. Mm-hmm. So one-on-one is where you'll find me at the moment and all the details for that is on my Instagram. Thank you. And we will put them in the show notes. And thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you. It's Theo. been an absolute pleasure to, to have you here. And thank you for all you have shared and being so open and curious. Oh my gosh. Always stay open and curious. Thank you so much for having me. As always, I absolutely love speaking with you and I'm so excited to see where this podcast goes. I'm going to be listening to every single episode. <laughs> Thank you very much. Amazing to have you here. Thank you.